0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, February 26, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. The looming spending cuts under sequestration are small relative to the U.S. economy, just three one-hundredths of a percent of GDP. But they are somewhat ham-fisted and indiscriminate, and that's what's driving many of the complaints. Ben Friedman, a research fellow in defense and homeland security studies at the Cato Institute, says even those complaints can be dealt with. March 1st, Friday is the deadline
1: where sequestration hits, which means a cut of $85 billion across the government with half, $42.5 billion being cut from the accounts of the Department of Defense. And the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the President and the Secretary of Defense and everybody else have been on TV and before Congress and on the radio talking about what a disaster this is going to be for the country. And this is the results of this long winding process of uh, deficit negotiation talks that created the Budget Control Act and then this tax deal at New Year's. But uh, this cut is uh, at least going to begin on Friday.
0: The people who I think are the most reasonable who talk about this, who are still against these uh, cuts to uh, the Department of Defense say, look, it's the manner in which these cuts are uh, going to occur. And to be to be totally clear, the only substantive cuts are uh, in the Department of Defense. But uh, can you talk about a little bit about the the manner of the cuts and how much latitude uh, they have to make uh, a cut here or there to to have some sort of uh, judicious process in in applying them?
1: The Budget Control Act says that the sequestration cut now coming March 1st has to be made to every account. It has to be equally applied across the board in the departments it applies to, including the Pentagon. So uh, the leaders of the Pentagon say this means the cut has to be stupid. We have no ability to control it. They previously said we can't plan for it because of this. It's just a goofy meat axe, as Leon Panetta, the Secretary of Defense, said. Uh, I think that's true to an extent, and it is a reason why this is not a good way to cut defense spending. And if I had my druthers, we would cut defense spending more, but do it in a in – a, uh, give them uh, – the Pentagon more leeway and maybe a little bit more time. Uh, but that said, they do have more uh, – the Pentagon has more ability to steer the cuts in an, in an intelligent way than they let on. They don't want to let on that they can do that because they want to get out from under cuts. Altogether, uh, And uh, they can do that because they have uh, reprogramming and transfer authority, which allows them to shift billions of dollars, even $15, $20 billion a year uh, at the behest of – with the say-so of the chairman of the uh, defense committees in Congress. Uh, That's existing authority they can use to steer money and undo the goofy meat acts aspect of of the sequestration cut. Uh, It's also important to note that um, because – spending, uh, the spending uh, appropriated in a given year takes several years normally to spend out as contracts uh, occur and are executed. Uh, Cuts too take several years to be fully manifest. So uh, the $42.5 billion being cut from the Pentagon won't be fully felt for several years. So the actual amount we're talking about in this fiscal year is considerably less, probably about half. Uh, And then third, uh, there's the war budget, uh, which is uncapped. Uh, and uh, Congress has been and will, again, I think, uh, if sequestration occurs, use that as sort of a place to hide funds that should be in the non-war-based budget but uh, that they want to protect. So uh, the Pentagon can encourage Congress to do that and uh, protect some money. So they have various tools. There are probably others beyond those uh, that they can use to mitigate the, the bad effects of this sequestration.
0: Doesn't the uh, executive branch have further ability to – interpret, that is to say, when uh, deciding what counts as an account uh, within like OMB?
1: Yeah. So the the law of the Budget Control Act says OMB sort of is the referee or the arbiter of of what has to be cut. And uh, I think that gives them some wiggle room so they could say, well, we interpret a program or an activity or an account in a particular way. Now, they might be sort of obviously wrong. But then the question is, who's going to object in that circumstance? Sort of both Parties in Congress say this is a dumb way to cut, and if OMB does something a little bit shady to sort of give the Pentagon more rope to de- determine where the cuts are made, it's hard for me to see uh, what the recourse would be. You know, technically, uh, the law allows members of Congress to sue in court, but it's hard to see that, that they would uh, exercise that right.
0: As you noted, the Congress itself can uh, allow for a broader latitude as well.
1: Yes, they, they, can, uh, they could pass a law, as uh, Jim Inhofe, who's now the uh, ranking member of the Senate Armed Service Committee, tried to do in January, that says we give you unlimited reprogramming authority. So uh, you're still going to be sequestered, but uh, you just have to cut that much money from your budget any way you can, is essentially what that would do. My preference is to say uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take the uh, budget caps that the Budget Control Act put in place for 10 years to defense and non-defense spending, and uh, for a couple years, we'll lower the caps, which is will increase savings a bit to make up uh, for the for the 43 billion. So no sequestration immediately, uh, but uh, over two or three years, we'll cut. Uh, that additional amount by using these caps that are already on the board. And what that does is give the Pentagon uh, leeway to make the cuts in an intelligent way. And I think it would actually drive them to prioritize and and, uh, do this according to a strategy, which would be good. And it gives them a little more time. And and when you give them more time, of course, the risk is, well, that we never get to the cuts. You know, uh, The pressure for austerity fades and – we uh, never realize the cuts, and uh, I think that's a fair criticism of what I'm proposing, but I think that's why don't do it over 10 years. Uh, do it over two or three, and uh, even add a little bit to the amount of savings you're aiming for. Uh, so instead of $43 billion over one year, we'll say 50 or $60 billion over three years. So uh, we're trading time for money in a sense.
0: Uh, Janet Napolitano says we should be somewhat concerned about... Uh, Illegal immigrants coming into this country, and Leon Panetta says that we should be concerned about military readiness. Uh, so, and and both of them obviously have complaints about the manner in which these cuts are being applied, but. Was that part of the design of the Budget Control Act that these cuts be, as you say, stupid? Yeah, the the cuts were intended
1: to be this initial set of cuts. The sequester, the sequester coming in March, March first, were intended to be dumb to force the parties uh, to do a deal. And uh, the idea is the prospect of this bad thing happening would get the Congress in the year they had. uh, Initially, that was between uh, basically the entire year of 2012 to cut a deal. It didn't work uh, so far because we uh, didn't have a deal. We had a partial deal uh, on New Year's, which was basically centered around taxes. But uh, so far, it hasn't worked. But yeah, the point was it was supposed to be painful. And of course, that gives all the parties involved a huge incentive to exaggerate the pain. Uh, If the point is to be painful, uh, the Janet Napolitanos and the Leon Panettos of the world are going to say basically the earth is going to fall into a hole or a a black hole if uh, these cuts are passed. Uh, because they're trying to pressure the Congress to do something. And uh, the two sides in Congress are saying, yeah, the, these cuts are going to be awful. They're going to be the worst thing in the world, and it's going to be the other guy's fault. You know, there, There's some deviation from that, but that's essentially what's occurring. So it's hard for the public to get a sense of what's actually happening. You know, The first day where sequester hits, March 1st, uh, there's not going to be any noticeable difference, I don't think, because the departments have – the whole fiscal year to sort of absorb the cuts, the, the treasury is taking this money from them but they have other money. So uh, they can delay and wait for a deal uh, and uh, do various things to avoid the consequences. So it's it's hard to take a lot of the horrible predictions they make seriously. One thing I would add is that um, a lot of the complaints about military sequestration say this will hollow out the force. and. Uh, cause uh, our enemies to be emboldened. It will ruin deterrence and uh, you really have to imagine a world that's much more dangerous and with enemies knocking uh, far more in the door than they are to think that's true. Um, It's not going to be great for the force to do this sequestration but our measure of superiority, our military competence vis-a-vis our foes is so vast that a uh, 8% cut, which is what sequestration is in a year, is not going to make a difference. I mean, what country is going to invade the United States or one of its allies or be obviously emboldened because of these cuts? So that is sort of an example of the, the most kind of, to me, ludicrous uh, threat exaggeration going on about sequestration, which again, this initial sequestration, I don't think is a great idea. One final point is uh, it's important to keep in mind that sequestration can mean both the cut coming in March and the caps, which are in place for 10 years on military and non-military domestic spending, uh, which are enforced by a different kind of sequester. That sequester just under the Budget Control Act just comes into play if the caps are exceeded. And uh, what the debate about sequestration has obscured, has intentionally obscured, is – The first sequestration is dumb, but the second sequestration is smart. Caps are a good idea. They force prioritization. They force choice. And uh, that second kind of sequestration, I'm all for. So uh, that's why I think it's a good idea to shift the first kind of cuts into the second kind of cuts because caps are needed, I think, in this country to force the political process to make some choices.
0: Ben Friedman is a research fellow in defense and homeland security studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.